0: so many other Syrians, you know, who are struggling day and night as I, I do every day, like with, with what is happening and why this happened. And what about justice, you know, where we are now, how Assad still until now controlling Syria. But there's a lot of like clash back against this hope, but I think it, it's the only thing we can do now and we have to keep holding on.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Art Persist podcast, a series by Bosler Arts offering a glimpse into the life of artists and activists from all over the world. Here to share their stories with you, the listener. In this episode, we speak to Wad El-Hatib, a Syrian activist and award-winning filmmaker whose debut feature film, For Samer won a BAFTA for Best Documentary and received a nomination at the Academy Awards in 2020. Waad now lives in London with her family and is working on a new documentary covering the Olympic refugee team and also dedicates her time to her advocacy campaign, Action for Summer. I'm Georgia and in this episode, Wad and I discuss many things from her early life growing up in Syria to the 2011 revolution and the subsequent war that followed. We discuss the challenges of war as a mother, as a filmmaker and also as a human being. Hope you enjoy.
0: I think uh, a lot of what I'm even watching now or like remembering now, it always goes back always to the like when I was seven years old or six years old when mm. I was watching this like cartoon um, where like we have like Robin Hood or Zorro or these kind of films, which really like I think resonated a lot with me, mm. um, and I felt like a lot of the values I got when I grow up or like the stuff I was doing it was always like it goes back to this moment when I was yeah. very young when I was watching this like heroes who are like you know it's not like Hollywood heroes but it's more like really I, I think like yeah Zorro is one example which I didn't mm-hmm. really like remember or Robin Hood you know like this mm-hmm. kind of stuff which is really um, I think affected me a lot like since I was very young until even now yeah I remember also like I was around maybe yeah six or seven when I used to uh wait until my my parents like put us in bed and then they go to just like watch tv or do something and I was just trying to sneak (laughs) back to hear if they're gonna say anything about they're not my real family (laughs) and I wanted just to go out you know and like travel around the world find my family and have just like adventure which is (laughs) I think when I when I when I was 20 and I was in Aleppo Mm. I always remember this moment that I was like I really wanted some adventure in my life but not like this you know like Like, not not all this reality um yeah so it's it's a lot from before yes
1: well thank you for sharing that and welcome back to the Opsis podcast I can definitely resonate in some ways because I I have an older brother, and when I was younger, I just wanted to be a boy and have because also every film you watch, you know, all the heroes they're always men or boys, and they're always like adventurous and have all these great times, and the girls you see are normally like princesses who need saving. And I I used to dress like a boy and pretend to be a boy because I was like, I do not want to be. girl character but um anyway thank you so much for sharing that speaking of your early life can you tell us a little bit about what life was like when you for you when you were a kid where did you grow up tell us a bit about it
0: yeah so I grew up in Syria in a small town uh in the middle of like Syria um we like my town is on like a mountain so it's very like beautiful um and lovely environment and like trees uh forests and we used to go a lot like playing outside mm. um, people knew each other so it was like quite safe like situation yeah when when I, I think I was like 15 or something I started to understand more about like Syria and what was happening behind the scenes and behind mm. what we learn you know from school and what's happening being kind of isolated from the political life as mm. any Syrian like individual in that time, but also understanding that this is not the normal or this is, should not be the normal. Mm. My parents yeah. both are politically, I don't want to say involved because we didn't have any space to be involved, but they yeah. were um, aware of what's happening and they were kind of like teaching us a little bit about this, although they were very careful about us not being very different and questioning like a lot of stuff yeah I was like the first uh, kid at home um, and being a girl as well so there was a lot of I would say pressure from the community but at the same time my parents were really like teaching me to be very independent to do yeah. everything I believe in um I was like a bit of conflict I would say because you know that the doesn't really work in Syria. Mm. So as much as I'm, I'm really like happy now about what they um, raised me on. As much as I think I was confused <laughs> when mm. when when that was happening there. Yeah.
1: Wow. And what was it like at school? Was a do you get taught a very specific outlook on what Syria and Syrian politics are? Is it is there a lot of like quite, I guess like pro Assad teachings there?
0: Yeah so since we are born um it's a lot it's all about Assad like yeah. not about the country as about it's like only one person and mm-hmm. this person is the leader who's like nearly god um, yeah. and, uh and um like our schools are under like military service uh okay. rules i would say yeah. uh, even our uniform is like very ugly and like Um, like military uniform Mm. Um, we used to be taught how to clean a weapon and like you know like shooting all this stuff at school Um, and it's actually was very surprising for me when I came to London and I went to the Holocaust Museum and yeah. I saw the early days of Hitler and the schools in Germany at that time, because yeah. it I related a lot to all these pictures. Mm. I saw myself as one student, like, yeah, it was really weird, you know, like, mm. and like bad, like we had so much like control from in everything we say and everything we do. Yeah. Um, just like to have a military class, you know, like it's literally mil- service like, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just so not, not good, I think. <laughs> um, For sure. Yeah. And also, like, we have uh, only one party in Syria, which is Al Baath Party, which is yeah. Assad's ba- party. Um, we automatically became registered and members. And I tried to say no when I was 15. Mm. And I I I didn't even try to say no, I just said, can I think about it? And like the reaction of, of the teacher at that time was just hilarious and very like aggressive about what do you mean you, you need to think about it? Like, mm. you ha- like, just sign it and give it to me. Um, and I was like a bit headstrong girl. So I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to sign this until I go take it home and ask my parents, what does it mean? Wow. Because for me like I felt very like it's a very big responsibility and I have to really like understand and believe in this before I sign this paper. Yeah. For her Amazing. it was like just like that's a very automatic thing. You just you have to do and you're another number into this like party. Yeah. Because anyway this numbers won't change anything because not in any voting not in any um like it, it's all corrupted you know it's all yeah. by, by their hands anyway. Um yeah and I, I refuse to uh register because of that and I became maybe the only problem at school for the next like three years after just because Mm. I wasn't part of a bath party wow all school which is over like 500 students, I and another girl we were the only two people who we were not in a bath party wow that's pretty amazing though I mean for you yeah it was confusing again you know it was Mm. scary it was really like you, you're not like, you're the difference. You're the one yeah. who's like, people look at you and say like, oh, wow, what she's doing. And at the same mm. time, I just felt like it was like much simpler than like being opposition or like doing something yeah. really like about the no. It was more mm. about feeling myself. And I was just like, I'm not going to do this, you know. Yeah. It happened. Amazing.
1: And amidst all of this, when did you first be- become interested in
0: film? Um that was after the revolution. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, I, I had nothing to do with films before. Wow. I mean, I loved filming. I loved doing some like kind of I'm not gonna call it even art because like it was like kind of Photoshop, you know, about mm-hmm. like some little softwares and um like even you know, maybe my my I had like very good uh time remembering working on powerpoint because i loved mm. videos and like trying to do some stuff with uh, the like presentation and stuff but wasn't mm. really like about films i didn't even watch a lot of films before mm. um, and there's big i think uh issue with the the access we had in syria for, yeah. for films um but anyway like i i wasn't really interested even but then, when the revolution started, and I started filming in the early days of the protests, yeah, I started to feel like I love this, and I have more passion about like doing more and more. And I think it was like like mixed feeling between the revolution and what can I do for that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how important is it for 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 us and for the revolution, plus like the the filmmaking. Yeah. Um, so I did my first like short film. Um, like six months after the revolution started wow and it was about the um students at alipo university who were protesting every day yeah it was very like unique and like different different experience for me and to see your work on tv like was just Mm. very like like hard but at the same time really like good because you feel like you are able to 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 deliver a message you are able to Mm. Make people like see this and feel they are part of this, yeah so it's really like um like a like a unique experience i i would say
1: wow, and c- can you describe what the atmosphere was like when the revolution first started
0: uh it's really <laughs> i mean I love talking about this always because I, it's really given me so much like hope and mm. strength and good feeling, you know when I remember these old days when we were just trying to understand what's happening, trying to understand who we are is this country, you know, and try just to feel if there's any hope in this country. And I think the revolution, like, gave us that. Um, Before it starts in Syria, it was, like, in a couple of other Arab countries around. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, And we were watching very closely what's happening. Um, And the question was always, like, even if we couldn't even ask this question loudly, but we were all questioning like, "Will this be happening in Syria?" And I yeah. think all of us had the answer directly like, "No, it won't be. Mm. Um, no, we can't. No, we, we're not able to. No, the regime is much like dangerous than any any anything else, and people won't even dare to think about this. Yeah. Um, and it just happened, you know, and happened very quickly. Mm. And I think." the main feeling was just like all this fear we have, is just like broke down. Like mm-hmm. there's no such a feeling like this, you know, you feel like I don't care about anything now. Like yeah. we're, we're chanting, we can, we can chant and we can hear our voice and we can talk with, with each other, with other people. Mm-hmm. Cause also since we were really young and that's all back to what I was explaining about being a student, like in, in a, primary school or like secondary school where you really have fears from each one around you. Yes. Sometimes even in the one family. Mm. Um, so just to feel like that this is all being broke and mm. you can trust people, you know, you can look at people and be going with them, like even to death, you know, mm. you don't care anymore because that's now a life that that's what life means even. Yeah. Yeah. So the feeling was amazing. Like we were really like having so much hope, not just to change something in Syria, but we we felt we have power to change the whole world. Yeah. Um, And just the early days like taught us a lot about who we are as as Syrian people and what we can do together. Yeah. Um, And I really feel like even now with all this like changes and I understand where we are now and how, difficult and bad situation is but I mean that feeling will never be removed you know we'll never Mm. like go back to the feeling before like the Syrian people broke all the fears all the walls in Syria Mm. and they're just now like out you know. Yeah
1: that's such an amazing way of describing it and actually it's a point that I had never really considered about The fact that before you had to kind of hide your opinions and there was this like level of fear that you know you didn't know who you could trust and that that was broken and I'm sure you know in the in the generations that follow that sense of camaraderie and hope within each other and trust within each other will will stay no matter what you know the situation is
0: Hi, I'm Hosan Fazula, co-founder of Bosla Arts.
1: Did you know we also have a magazine featuring seven artists from different parts of the world who are using their work to stand up to some of the most oppressive regimes? As a listener to the Art Process podcast, you can get 15% using the code TAPP. That's all in capital TAPP.
0: Now back to the podcast.
1: So you were, this whole time, as soon as the the protest began, you you began filming yourself?
0: Yeah, I mean, like the early days was not about, um, you can't really even show faces or Mm. like even sounds sometimes, voices. You have to be really careful about protection and protecting yourself as a, like someone who's filming, protecting other people who are around. Because like the regime easily can, you know, like arrest or kill anyone who's Involved anyone who's like trying to spread the words, Mm. so it was like a lot about trying to show that there is something, yeah. Um, And I think the moment when I started, like, turn the camera more like to myself, to even Hamza and my friends, and the people who came like became with me like a family was more after the um, what's what we what we call it like liberated areas. Where yeah. people are able to push the regime out of outside of these areas, uh, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of where the Free Syrian Army, like, we're controlling, which not the regime anymore, and yeah. for us, that was also like a new area we're trying to discover and explore and mm-hmm. see, you know, what's happening here. But that was more a little bit like more safe in in yeah. not not in in the right way, I would say, because. Like these areas was under shelling and bombing by the regime. Mm. There's no regime forces who can arrest you if you are filming. Yeah. In this areas, when I became in the hospital where I met Hamza as well, um, I knew Hamza from the university, but then Mm. we we met again uh, uh, in East Aleppo. I think that's when I started to feel like it's more personal and Mm. it's more about what can we save from, from this life? Because the shelling and the bombing give us that feeling that you don't know when you will be dead and you don't yeah. know when all things around you might vanish. And people won't know, people won't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I felt like there's a lot about just saving everything I know, everything I see here. Yeah, uh, And I think that's when a little bit after... Uh, like i know like me and hamza we are together and we have friends rais mahmoud omar uh, around us who suddenly like died and for me no. that was like a big shock but i remember when we were watching some of the material i had like from days before they were uh, killed there is this moment of life which i was able to capture even if it's very like silly videos even if the videos like I didn't understand how important is it, you know, until I lost these guys. And for me, it was like, this is the life. This is, this is what was here. This is what we were trying to create. So it should be all about this. And I started to turn the camera, like into my personal life, into the life of, of people around me. And not thinking about if this material is good or not, if this material mm. are important or not. Like for me, every second was very important and just, it's about life.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why Forsama has obviously got the recognition that it has but also I think it's one of the very few films that I find myself constantly coming back to constantly thinking about and just when I watched it when it first came out my reaction to it like many others was you know it's it's as you said you document life so you have these moments of very intimate happy nice moments where either you're wedding to Hamza or I remember quite clearly a night where you Hamza wasn't working he'd been working like every single night you hadn't seen each other and the three of you with Samad just had a, a night together and then moments of obviously hor- horror and trauma and I think for me what really got me was how it how the war affected really small children you know yeah. a kid crying or someone bringing in his his brother who had died and together what it makes is just a complete document of of how a war destroys everyone's lives basically and I was wondering from those moments were there any were there any times where you just thought I don't want to film this actually or did you was it a natural instinct to always have the camera on because there are also moments where where it's very stressed and you know you're you're you grabbing salmon, running down to the bunk, you know, to the basement. But you still managed to always have the camera on. Was that a natural instinct for you?
0: I think there's a lot of, like, complex fe- feeling around this. Uh, mm. I mean, part of that was, like, I have just, like, to keep going, you know, and mm. keep filming. And for me, that was, like, the reason why I'm there. Yeah. Um, and the other feeling, I I, I think... Like Every time I was turning the camera on, I was feeling like maybe I should not, you know? Mm. And every time we've had like really hard situation where I feel like, yeah, I have to film. At the same time, I feel like I just really don't want to do this. Yeah. As much as I'm scared, as much as I'm going forward within everything I was doing. Mm. Um, But I think like the moments when I really didn't want to film was like, Like a few times, I think, which I was about to turn it off. Mm. Something always happened that showed me like, like, it's not about you. It's not about what you feel now. It's not about if you can keep going or not. Like you have to keep it on, even if you can't film yourself. Yeah. And one of the moments was just like one moment I will never, ever forget. And at the same time, I feel so many people like, would remember is like the baby born in in, in for Sama uh, yeah. in the middle of the film. Um I gave birth to Sama in that specific room three mm. months before that happened. Wow. And like three months, you know, like it's nothing when you're a new mom. Like you still have all this raw feeling of what does it mean to have a child? How mm. long you waited for this um and how hard is it? Mm. And I was just heartbreaking when 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 this baby came out and he was like just dead um and i was keep filming and at the same time like i had this voice in my head telling me like like i want to turn it off but there's yeah. something was saying me like no don't don't keep going keep going keep going and i was just like not understanding this feeling and mm. a bit kind of angry but at the same time i understand So I was like, I should just like turn it off and go running, run up to Sama, you Mm. know, hug her, just cry, sit down and just like do anything else. But at the same time, I felt like if like the world didn't see this, it's it's a very big and important like message. You know, it's like Mm. this baby who was not even born yet, he was killed by this like shelling who Russia and the Syrian regime, pretend like it's just like killing tourists the tourists so i was like i have responsibility into this and it's not about what i do feel as like Mm -hmm. one um and then when the baby was like when he opens his eyes i was like like i i couldn't believe this i i can't even Mm -hmm. do this until now and i remember exactly like how i I looked you know behind the camera Mm -hmm. because i thought just i'm imagining and this is just like my trauma you know like Mm. into like something i just want to see the opposite yeah um so like i think since that moment i've never even questioned you know like Mm. turn it off or on even when i know it's not like there's no hope for anything to be changed but i felt how important is it you know like to keep this responsibility and try to like do as much as you can even if, if sometimes you feel like It's not useful, you know, like it's going to be useful one day or I don't know, just I'm saving something. No, no one would would save if if we didn't turn this like just camera on.
1: Yeah, I remember that scene so well, actually. And when I when I first watched it, I remember I got to the part where it it looks like the baby's dead and I was just... (laughs) crying uncontrolled I've never like had that kind of crying before I paused it walked away and I was like how am I going to watch this again and then I turned it on and then it's the baby comes back to life, and it is just it's really an amazing moment um but it does stay so living. many
0: so many people in the cinema when they were just like trying not to look you know and then when mm. they heard the sound like it just doesn't really make sense you know that yeah. This baby is alive and he is like he is. Yeah, simply he is.
1: It's amazing. Were there any um, moments of the recording during that time that you felt you didn't want to include in the final film?
0: I mean, not like I do I didn't want because I really wanted a lot of stuff to be in, and um, I think there was more like decisions about how much, like either good or bad moments you have to include in the mm. film I try to make this balance mirroring and reflecting like as much as you can from the no- normal and reality of, of that life and that's yeah. in there because at the end of the day like you're talking about one hour and a half yeah. of like five years of continuous living and filming and mm. um being disappointed being happy being sad being like So it was just like so hard, you know, to try to take one step back and think about it in a really like real way and try just to mirror everything. Because for me, like the story was not only dark, was not only hope and love. Mm. It's all mixed and integrated with each other in a very like hard way sometimes even to understand. So Yeah, the the difficulties was more about, you know, how much you have to keep, how much you have to yeah, And like, because also there's a lot of similarity in so much events and like things happened. So how can you really like make some justice at least to that situation and try to just make it accessible and real and honest as much as you can?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I... I remember watching an interview with you where you described how during that whole period you were kind of torn between your role as a mother, as a filmmaker, and then also just a person. And I was wondering if you could just expand on that a little bit and tell us what you meant by that.
0: Yeah, it was really like, I think, confusing for me as like, like I was maybe 24 when I um, gave birth to Sama. So I was still young and I didn't know a lot of Responsibility and tasks I have to do, and mm. also like being overwhelmed with all this experience in such a place like Aleppo when like even emotionally you know like it's 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 taking so much more what you expect mm. um and I think also being a filmmaker who was learning you know every single day yeah I wasn't like a professional filmmaker I didn't have that confident I didn't have that skills I didn't have the right tools so I was like kind of you know juggling between all of this together yeah. and trying as well to live my life and forget and ignore and live with all this like shelling and bombing and without even my family like my yeah. own family um, so it's, it's a lot of things happening at the same time and I think I would say, like, like, I knew where sometimes I was really good. I knew sometimes I was, like, not good at all. And I was just, you know, trying to cope with that situation. Yeah. And just do my best. And I know, like, how much pressure I, I had on me, I how much pressure I put even on myself. Yeah. And just, I mean, I did it. I don't know how. I don't know even if it was right or wrong. I don't know even, like... I know now a lot about what mistakes I've done, um, but I was just trying to do my best, and there was no other option. You know, like living there is just like a very difficult experience, and just the I think the, the most difficult part which I I made was like to continue to keep going,
1: yeah,
0: um, and not giving up, which is you know like the heart of everything we were we were trying to do, yeah. No, I, c- I can't
1: even imagine um, and 24 is is really young actually to be yeah. in that situation anyway, but also to have a newborn baby. And you and Hamza are so incredible in the film. I mean, you have that Hamza trying to just save life after life in the worst conditions. Um, yeah, very amazing. And so as you show in For Summer, you, you managed to leave Syria. And when you uh, release the film, it, it had a huge amount of press and was really critically acclaimed. I think you won both best documentary at the Cannes Film Festival and at the BAFTAs. I was wondering what that was—that was like for you to kind of be catapulted into fame, but also having, you know, gone through this really traumatic experience. How how were those feelings at that time for you?
0: You know, when I look back at this now, I, I can I can have like totally like outside views you know but mm-hmm. when, when I was in that situation um, I didn't really understand like a lot about yeah. what's happening or I, I didn't even like care to understand a lot like we were already very 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 overwhelmed with
1: yeah
0: um, what was happening in Syria at that time because mm-hmm. like Alipo was I think when the film was out it was uh, two years ago Um yeah and it was not like that long time. Mm. Um, and we were not even like settling down here yet. Uh, everything was still new. I had my second daughter, and things are really bad, where we're really bad in Syria. And we had just like this film who started to bring Syria back to, on the news again yeah in Different ways and it's opening another conversation between people between press between politic, politicians mm. so there was a lot of like things going on and I just found it an amazing opportunity to fight again you know and fight back yeah um, so it was like not really, you know, like understanding where we were and what's happening, but also we were very like focusing on the impact campaign that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, even like in Cannes, like we had this like amazing science about stop bombing hospitals on the rescal. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we were like c- quite like activists in the way how how they the campaign was going around. And I was just so proud of that and so proud mm-hmm. of how many Syrians around the world you know where like just supporting the film and feeling that this is their film as well their story Um, and just like the impact I think the film made on on Syrian people as much Mm. as on Western people yeah just like very very um, amazing I I mean even now you know like it's the film's been now like maybe four years since it was out 2019 Uh, so still happening there's more screening we're still doing like a lot of stuff we have our exhibition anniversary like next month and just like a lot i think really helping me you know to keep going and the yeah. and meaning of, of, of everything happened mm. no absolutely i think it's a
1: film that will stay with stay in the conversation for a, a very long time and I- you've also set up um action for summer. Which is uh, campaigning against the targeting of healthcare facilities by the Syrian uh, authorities? Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there?
0: So, with Action for Sama, we're trying just to 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 make more awareness. Uh, mm-hmm. The main message we had was stop bombing hospitals, which is def- definitely like directed to Russia and the Syrian regime. Yeah, Who like did countless attacks on healthcare facilities, on schools, on bakeries, on any um, like civilians, uh, services. Yeah, It might be in, a, in any area uh, around Syria. And then um, we were like, you know, trying to, to make some political conversation around this. Um, I spoke before the UN Security Council, we did a screening in the UN at the parliament in the UK. And in so many other places where we hope people can do something more for Syria especially like politicians
1: yeah
0: um, and the conversation is still continuing unfortunately because attacks still happening in Syria more mm. attacks and stuff happening now in Ukraine um, yeah. and there's just a lot of conversation about refugees and uh, yeah. even here in the UK you know like Brexit and Covid and all this stuff which yeah. all goes back usually to the refugee crisis yeah where i think the west is dealing with this as a um like an issue instead of being as consequences to what assad has done yes so i mean there's a lot of work to be done and we will do our best but i think it's it's amazing just like there's so many people who are engaged and they want to do something and yeah. um it feels really like overwhelming with everything's happening around the world but at the same time, it's very important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that kind of brings me to my final question, which I ask everyone. It's, are you hopeful of the future?
0: I can't not be. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not a personal choice. Mm-hmm. It's something I have to really think of, like for my family, for my daughters, for mm-hmm. Hamza, for so many other Syrians, you know, who are... Struggling day and night as I, mm. I do every day, like with with what is happening and why this happened, and mm. what about justice? You know where we are now. How Assad still until now controlling Syria, mm. but there's a lot of like clash back against this hope. But I think it, it's the only thing we can do now, and we have to keep holding on um, and just keep trying and trying. Yeah, I mean I do a lot of stuff when I really have zero faith that Mm. this will change anything around the world but I also believe like there's so many victims and people who are survivors, and people who need like this you know like Mm. as I need it as well from other people so I think it's it's okay to be really tired and sad and not able to wake up but at the same time like we have to do it for, for other people as well
1: We'd like to thank WAD for joining us for this week's episode. If you're enjoying the ArtPasys podcast, please subscribe, rate and share it online. Only with your help can these important stories be heard. Thanks for listening and see you next week.